Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story Blender. I'm Stephen James, and this is where great storytellers share the secrets to great storytelling. My guest today, W.C. Ryan, also known as William Ryan, has won wide acclaim for his historical crime novels. The Holy Thief was shortlisted for a Crime Writers Association's New Blood Dagger, a Barry Award, and many others. His other books have been shortlisted for the Ireland AM Crime Novel of the Year, and his novel, The Twelfth Department, was a Guardian Crime Novel of the Year. His first novel under the name W.C. Ryan, A House of Ghosts, was a finalist for the NBA Irish Book Awards Crime Fiction Book of the Year, and his books have been published in 18 countries. He has a new book, The Winter... 19. Test. 19 <laughs> countries. Yeah, I just got Japan a couple of weeks ago. And um, so William lives in London, and William, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and joining me today. Uh, thank you uh, for having me. I'm excited to talk to you for the next little while. So, congratulations on the new um, on the new country. That's always fantastic. So now, people in uh, Japan will be able to pick up your books as well. I guess, huh? Yeah, uh, and you know, kind of. I don't know. That isn't uh, an edition that I'll be reading myself to check uh, <laughs> on the translation, but uh, I'm. I, I know the really you know you're like I don't know about you but uh, very often publishers whenever there's a new um uh edition of a book they'll send you a complimentary copies of the new edition whatever country mm. or language it's in and I have a friend who has just a whole garage full, full of Italian version German books and it's like well I don't know what to do with these cuz I think in his contract they have to send like 10 or 20 or something like that too. He's like, just take that out of the contract. I'm tired of all the books I can't read. So he just gives them away to libraries and stuff. Yeah, I have enough problems getting rid of the English language ones, to be honest. Um, but uh, but I live in London, so quite often I'll drop a few copies off to an embassy if there's an embassy nearby. Oh, fantastic. Um, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Now, you've had extraordinary success penning your crime novels over the years. And, and so I thought I would just start by asking, what are some of the ingredients that you feel are important to a successful crime story? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I think that there are lots and lots of different crime stories. But generally, um, you know, kind of crime novels are a little bit like morality tales. Hmm. So uh, there is a strong sense of good and evil, hmm. and uh, often, you know, kind of we live in chaotic times, which are sometimes a little bit frightening. And crime novels are a little bit about trying to present this terrible situation, which is from our worst possible nightmares, um, and then over the course of the novel, it's explored and it's dealt with. Um, so I think that in order for a crime novel to work as readers, we have to empathize with uh, the crime. We have to empathize with the characters who are going to fix it. We have to care about the victim. The victim is 
actually one of the most important characters in a murder mystery, at least. Um, but we have to care about the characters. And then, you know, kind of reading is basically <clears throat> experience life vicariously through the characters. So, you know, if you've got good characters that the reader cares about, you've got this sense of right and wrong, um, and you've got this story that, you know, kind of ideally it, it resolves the situation or solves the, the crime, then you've got something which I think people react to uh, on a a very emotional level. It's it's kind of I I, uh, I always find it interesting that that most of the really violent crime novels um, they're actually mostly read by women more mm. than men, <laughs> which you wouldn't necessarily think was the case. But it, it's often it's about exploring our fears mm. and uh, and it's about putting them in that little box, and then a crime author comes along and explores it with you and you know, kind of hopefully uh, deals with it in some way or another. I like the emphasis that you brought up on on the victim, that we have to care for the victim. I've read some books where it's almost like they jump over that. There's a victim. Okay, it's sort of a nameless person or whatever, and the detectives come along and, and they work on the case and so on. But um, But the stories that draw me in more are ones where well, I think you mentioned empathizing with the character, with the uh, with the, actually with the victim, and and understanding the depth of the loss that the family might be going through, and so on. And that actually draws me in. That humanity of it helps me to really connect with a story instead of it just kind of glossing over that very human, personal aspect of the story. Yeah, I think that's right. But I think it's also interesting that that good crime novels often uh they often explore the perpetrator mm -hmm. um i don't know if you read a book called notes on an execution uh mm. by dunata kafka i think it came out last year or early this year um and that was about a serial killer but i think a lot of those uh a lot of those stories it, it's it's almost about understanding the criminal but also caring about the victim because crime and life is messy it's not all black and white and the best uh the best crime novels have uh have perpetrators that we really identify with so if you read thomas harris for example mm. um you know kind of we're looking at the perpetrator is 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 probably one of the most fascinating characters in those books mm. So controversial, but there you go. You, I, I mean, I think no. my novels are often about exploring uh, all sides of, you know, kind of the issue that I'm, I'm writing. So it's, it's kind of, it's not. No, I like. You know, there's that. a reason why these people commit these crimes. Yeah, I think the challenge for me personally is, um, we, I want readers to, uh, I want to portray, but not promote certain things where where it relates to the the protect or the antagonist as well the villain like i want us to sort of identify with them but not to feel i guess it's this weird line like you want almost to that they justify in their minds why they're doing what they're doing and very often very interesting villains for me i'm like well they sort of have a point but they're psychopaths and they're going about it all the wrong ways 
but I kind of like them or whatever it might be. And uh, so it's this interesting line where we want to draw people in, but obviously not justify the, the deeds that the villain is doing. Well, I think I think in order for novels to be interesting, they have to be complex yeah. and the emotions have to be complex and they have to make readers think, uh, you know, kind of uh, if they're just turning the pages, um, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, kind of giving them all that it could give them in yeah. terms of a book it might be might be, you know, kind of momentarily exciting, but it's probably not a book they're going to re remember in, you know, kind of two hours, two hours after you put it down. But I think once you start making them ask interesting questions and make the characters uh, uh, make them think about interesting things, then you know, kind of that's that's always going to be interesting for the reader. I think. Do you tend to build your stories more around a dilemma uh, that maybe a moral dilemma or a moral question that uh, your characters have to face, or it do they tend to build backwards, sort of from the crime? And then once you know the crime, you kind of build the story backwards. How do you go about that? Um, and does it focus so much on solving the crime or solving the dilemma? I don't know if that's making total sense, but well, I would say that uh, that a house of ghosts, even though which is the the novel before the winter guest, is probably the most straightforward crime novel, mm. and. Uh, and except that it's got ghosts involved and and spies and it's basically it's a bit of a kitchen sink novel, but it's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, but all of the other novels um, have interesting, very difficult settings. So the first mm. three novels were set in the Soviet Union in the nineteen thirties, and you know, kind of in the Soviet Union, we obviously, um, you know, kind of it was a very difficult time for ordinary people. Um, it was a time when good was uh, not always right in terms of the state or what the state thought. Uh, and, you know, kind of truth was a very malleable thing. And, and crime novels are built on, on truth and justice. Mm. So, uh, you know, kind of when you've got a society where those um, are in short supply, then that's really interesting for a detective to explore. Uh, so those novels were very much about, you know, kind of this dogged detective, you know, trying to solve one crime in the middle of, you know, kind of millions of crimes. Um, wow. But, you know, he's just sticking to his guns and plodding forward and somehow or another it works out. And then The Constant Soldier, which is the novel that we were discussing before we started recording, but uh, that is set in Nazi Germany, which is hmm. exactly wow. the same. Um, and that is set in a rest hut for uh, the officers and men who worked at a concentration camp. It's based on a, a real hut uh, uh, with some photographs that uh, are available in the United States uh, Historic uh, Holocaust Memorial Museum. Um, and so I basically I saw these photographs and I thought that there was a really interesting story here because they look like very ordinary people, but they'd ended up doing these terrible things. So again, it's having one person who is swimming against the tide. Hmm. And the winter guest is a little bit the same. It's, um, you know, kind of it's, it's the Irish War of Independence, which may not be so familiar to all of your, um, uh, you know, kind of viewers, but uh, it 
took place over a period of about two or three years in uh, the early 20th century. Hmm. And it involved, you know, kind of the British army trying to enforce British rule in Ireland against uh, a population who weren't very keen on that idea. And there was a lot of uh, violence and, and atrocities on both sides. Hmm. And that, uh, that for me is a, a very interesting time because you, you have, uh, a character, the character in the novel is called Tom Harkin, who has sympathy with all of the people he is and he meets in one way or another. He served in the British army and in the first world war and he, uh, but he has sympathy with uh, the Anglo-Irish ascendancy, the Protestant minority who owned a lot of the land, and he has sympathy with uh, the British army because, you know, at the end of the day, he served with them. But at the end, but he's also an Irishman who wants uh, freedom for his country. Hmm. So, you know, kind of having, you know, there is a crime of one shape or another in in all of these novels, but making uh, the central character, the detective, the fixer. Hmm. Um, making him uh have a a very complex view of of the surroundings it just makes it interesting for the reader it's it's you know kind of uh in the first three novels captain Korolev, the main detective he believes in the soviet union you know mm. kind of he fought with the, the communist the red army in the russian civil war uh but at the same time, he looks around him and he's got this split personality. It's kind of on the one hand, he's saying, well, these things are good. Mm. You know, we've got free education. We're, um, you know, kind of uh, medicine, all these things. But at the same time, there are these other things that go with it, which are not so good. Mm. And uh, for him, it's kind of, he's almost schizophrenic. And I think that it, when you lived in the Soviet Union, even if you were... Uh, a, a a committed communist you always had to have this split personality mm. um a public and a private persona oh that's all very interesting and um, <laughs> one of the things that kind of came through a little bit in what you were talking about was just the importance of you know a time and a place for a story like a lot of people will write a story and it's almost like you could pick it up and stick it in another city and it wouldn't really change the story at all or even another time. But yours have a very specific sense of place, um, not just a place look geographically, but temporally as well. So so they happen at a time where things matter that they happen there. And I like that. Um, and it, that's that creates a challenge for you, I'm sure, because obviously it's a, a re, you have to research those times. Um, and the question that I was thinking of has to do with tying a story in that's fictional with historical events. Does How does the truth um, of what actually happened in history, does it inspire you or does it constrain you? Or in some ways, maybe does it do both as you shape this fictional world and these characters within it? Well, you know, kind of, I think the first thing I'd say about historical fiction is it's a little bit like travel writing, except it's mm. time travel writing. Mm -hmm. So you want to kind of take 
uh, your reader to this place, which you know, kind of they might be interested in, but unlikely to be able to go and visit um, unless they invent a time machine. <laughs> they should let us all know about particularly historical writers. We could use that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but you know, kind of it's 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 nice to take them there and to give them a really really strong sense an accurate sense of, of what it was like living in this uh, this generally because you know kind of the fun bits are when you are setting uh, your novels in in dangerous and exciting times mm -hmm. um, you know to give them a, a good sense of, of what it was like being there but they're still in the comfort of their own home um, and uh, as it happens you know kind of whenever you have interesting and exciting times like the first world war the second world war the soviet union or the the, the civil war in my next novel is set in the spanish civil war you know there are two versions of the truth mm. um you know kind of both sides think that they are doing the right thing and and that's that's great for uh, a novelist because again mm. it makes stuff complex and it it makes uh, solving the crime a little bit more interesting and, and often a little bit more dangerous as well. When when you're shaping a story, do you think it's important to come up with a crime that seems to readers, at least at first, impossible to solve? No. I mean, yeah, I think that would be more your classic murder mystery mm, um, yeah. where, you know, kind of it's like the book is a puzzle. Can mm. you work it out before Miss Marple reveals it all at the end? Um, uh, you know, kind of, I, I, I'm not so worried about that side of the novel. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, generally speaking, there are always, there are only going to be two or three main suspects. And if you, if you have somebody who is too left field, then, uh, then your reader is going to hate you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, so it's more, um, I, th I think it's more about the process of solving the crime and mm. it's more about, you know, kind of the central character having this very difficult, uh, journey to get to the solution. Yeah. Um, you know, there are lots and lots of different ways of writing crime novels. Um, I think that sometimes when they look at the back, uh, when, when they look at the back cover of, of my novels, readers expect uh, something different. I don't always have control of what the publisher, how the publisher describes the novel. Mm. But my, you know, kind of, uh, my novels are mainly historical fiction. Uh, mm. You know, kind of the crime is very important. Uh, the crime is what ties the whole story together. Sure. Uh, but it, it it's not like a, it's not a pure murder mystery a la Agatha Christie. Yeah. Even though, yeah, you know, maybe a house of ghosts is much closer to that. <laughs> I think great stories, you know, very often have a mixture of different genres within them. Um, so that when we read it, you know, someone might say it's crime. Someone might say, no, it's, it's actually more historical mystery or whatever it is. And, and um, I think that that's fantastic. I think it's an, um, a compliment to the author when it's sort of hard to pigeonhole a book <laughs> because uh, it's easier to market a book if you can just say this is, you know, it fits in this specific box. But 
I like that yours have a, a little bit more complexity. In fact, The Winter Guest has been described as part mystery, part spy thriller. Um, and, uh, so, and it's got ghosts as well. So, you know, kind of <laughs> what's going on with that book and romance. So there you, know, you go. Of, I love it. Uh, I think I think mixing and, and matching. I mean, I, you know, kind of the, the word that's used most in, in newspaper reviews about my books is gripping. And that's what I want to do. I want my reader to pick up my novel and uh, and I want them to be engaged as soon as possible, even though I, I don't, you know, kind of tend to have very grabby starts, but I, I try and and kind of suck them in, basically. And then I, I want them basically to put that book down when the book is over. And if yeah. that means they're reading until four o'clock in the morning, I'm really sorry. But I feel like that's my job. Um, yeah. How do you do that? I mean, what are some of the maybe tools, techniques, keys, secrets, whatever it might be that you're like, okay, these are some of the trade secrets that I do to help a book remain gripping. I know a lot of authors that I speak with will say, oh, I have this really great idea for the hook or whatever the beginning and then they'll be like, yeah, but the, the middle is hard or it sags in the middle or it's a long middle or something. And then a great ending. I'm thinking, well, the middle is most of the book. Like, So you can have a great opening and ending, but if we get lost in the middle, then we're lost in the story. So, um, well, yeah, you're, I mean, there's lots of things, but you know, kind of your, your central character, your detective or whatever your character is, is doing in the story. They always have to be struggling. Hmm. Uh, they always have to be up against some sort of challenge or obstacle. And it's a series of challenges and obstacles. And generally, when you're looking at chapters, now I used to do chapters based on on you know, being about 10 pages. And I wasn't really too fussed, um, you know, kind of about having lots of different scenes in a chapter. I tend to do it now more one scene, one chapter. Hmm. Um, so my early novels would have been about 35 chapters. Uh, the Constant Soldier, which is coming out in in November, is 99. Um, and and I think when you're looking at, at, you know, kind of those chapters, those scene by scene chapters, and even if you've got longer chapters and you just have a series of scenes, it's starting the scene as late as possible so that you miss out all the boring stuff. <laughs> and it's ending the scene when you know kind of each scene has to have a purpose in the story when you're planning out your story you know kind of why does this scene have to be in here because mm. there's a piece of information because they're going to meet a certain character whatever they're going to do once that purpose is achieved you kind of want to move on to the next uh chapter as soon as possible mm. but you always want to have some hook at the end of that chapter that tells the reader that if they read on to the next chapter, they're going to get a piece of information. You know, something is about to happen. Yeah, kind of. And uh, so you're giving them a question. What is going to happen next? Or if they know what's going to happen next, because you've put them information-wise ahead of, of the central character, so they know that there's an ambush waiting for them when they go back to their house. Um, then it, you know, the question is, how is the central character going to get out of this you know very difficult situation so always ending with a question i think um and then when you're when you're looking at 
you know, kind of each of these, uh, each of these scenes, it's kind of how do you make them a little bit more interesting for the reader? Hmm. And and I think that obviously conflict is something which I'm sure you speak about pretty much every time you do one of these things. But it's it's also it's kind of putting uh, the central character at some kind of risk hmm. over the course of uh, that chapter, whether that's you know, kind of, they're, you know, often in my novels because they're set in totalitarian regimes, they're just mm. generally at risk. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there can be some kind of emotional risk. You know, even if they're, if they're talking to a female uh, witness and they uh, they find them attractive, mm. and maybe the female witness finds them attractive, and then you've got this flirtation going on underneath. But you know, kind of flirtations are emotionally, you know, kind of dangerous. Um, and that can, you know, kind of, are they being played around with? Is this person serious? Um, you know, kind of, or are they just trying to distract them from questioning them about what they were up to on the night of the murder? So it's it's always trying to kind of add in a few more elements to the story. There's what's going on on the surface of the scene mm, and then yeah. thinking about what can be going on underneath as well. So, man, you covered so many things, subtext, questions, risk, conflict, desire. I think it's it's great that you are able to articulate some of those things, because I think a lot of people who want to be writers or whatever, you know, have maybe heard about introducing some of these, but maybe not thought specifics as you uh, have just kind of mentioned. So I appreciate that it was great. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think you've got a menu as yeah. a reader, yeah. uh, as a writer. Um, so you know, kind of, you know that that your character is going to meet another character. Um, I think people people don't always understand conflict, uh, and they think that conflict is is you know that there, there needs to be some kind of tension between them or some kind of confrontation. That's not always the case. It it just there has to be a difference of opinion. Hmm. They have to have different ways of doing things. Obviously, sometimes there is confrontation. Sometimes people are going to be shooting each other, which mm -hmm. is fine. But it's it's having that, you know, it's uh, if if you've got a if you've got a detective who's talking to a witness, and the witness has information, and they give it to the detective freely. Mm. Uh, that's a very short scene. So how do you make that scene more interesting? Um, so let's think about conflict. So they don't want to give that piece of information. Um, and so then, you know, kind of the detective has to persuade them and maybe they have to threaten them. Maybe they have to charm them. Maybe they have to remind them that, you know, kind of the victim was their best friend. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have to say, you know, kind of, I know you don't want to tell me, uh, what you know, because you're frightened, but I can protect you. Um, and I won't tell anybody, I'll keep your name out of it. So there's a negotiation. So that's, you know, conflict works really well there. But risk, you know, kind of say you've got a female detective and you've got a six foot five male mm. detective who doesn't want to ask her questions. What's he going to do in order to prevent that, uh, that question? So he's going to try and put a little bit of pressure on the detective maybe he's going to be very sexually suggestive maybe he's going to threaten them you know kind of uh maybe he's going to 
just use his physical pre presence. Maybe he's just things which are going to make that scene more interesting. And I, I do think it's like a menu that you kind of look at the scene, you think, how do I make this more interesting? How do I mix it up a little bit? Um, how do I kind of take this, what could be a very procedural scene just to get you know, to the next stage? How can you make that more interesting? I like how you kind of come back to risk often. And it's something that I don't hear people speak about that much within uh, within writing or within novels and characterization and so on. Conflict, I've heard. You also mentioned something you said. Conflict and tension were different, I think. Or you can have conflict without tension or something. What, what in your mind is the difference between conflict and tension? Well, tension is is something else. I mean, I think it's it's basically conflict for me is that is that characters want different things, mm -hmm. um, and you know, kind of. So if uh, if you want, you know, kind of me to answer your questions, and I don't want to <laughs> ask them, uh, answer them, um, then you know, kind of, we've got a little bit of a conflict. Uh, you know, kind of, you could start shouting at me. Or you could start, you know, kind of trying to persuade me to to talk, or, <laughs> or you know, kind of we could both want uh, to, you know, do the same things like go to the shops, um, you know, kind of go to, you know, kind of the the mall or something. But maybe we want, we want to do different things when we get there. Maybe we have different ways of of getting there. So each of these wanting to do things differently forces the conversation to have forces the characters to have a conversation um, and a negotiation. And, you know, kind of, then you're looking at control. So who is the boss? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, kind of quite often, uh, you know, there might be one character that's more dominant than the other, but maybe the other character isn't so happy about that. Mm -hmm. So you've got lots of things that you can play around. So soon, so when you start a scene, you need to know what, all of your characters want, not just your central character. Yeah. So you know your central character wants to have these questions answered. This is the same not just for crime fiction, but all fiction. You need to know what your central character wants and you need to know what the other characters want. They're like actors. They have a program called Whose Line Is It Anyway before mm -hmm. where you, yeah, so you gave the actors different motivations and then chaos ensued. <laughs> it's the same with fiction. So you just give them different motivations. And then you know, kind of you let the characters work it out. Um, what are your favorite types of characters to write? Interesting ones. Um, I mean, I think they have to be interesting. So, yeah. you know, there has to be something about them which uh, is going to be is is going to pass the time for uh, for the reader in a, in a kind of interesting way. They have to be interested in. Uh, the characters, um, you know, if if all the characters are really boring and they're not really, they don't really stand for anything. They don't really, uh, they're just filling up a page, um, or they're just they're very cliched and we don't understand why they're they're doing the strange things that they're doing. You kind of need to to have interesting characters and then explain them to the reader and, and make the reader interested. So it's kind of reading a book is a little bit, you know, there are lots of things that reading a book is a little bit like, but it's a little bit like being in a restaurant where something interesting is happening on the table beside you. Mm. Um, 
and you know kind of uh and it's 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 you know that's what you want is you want your book to be the thing which piques your interest <laughs> yeah. and, and holds it yeah do your characters ever surprise you by the things they say or do or um or not some authors tend to really um try to be responsive to the characters as they develop their stories others say no look i'm the author like i tell them what to do and they do it what's what's your approach as far as characterizations and and a lot watching them develop through the story well i think uh you know kind of it, it's this thing I said about, you know, kind of understanding your characters is very important. Um, so, you know, kind of, I like to know a lot about my characters. I like to know, you know, kind of what kind of clothes they wear. I like to know what they look like. I like to know what their background is. And I'm looking often for points of conflict. So if I've got, you know, if my character is from a working class background and he's, you know, kind of in amongst a whole people who are from an upper class background, and that's kind of making an interesting dynamic immediately. Uh, but you kind of you want to know those things about the characters before you even start writing. You kind of you hmm. want to know what what books they like, what music they like, what they like to do for fun. Uh, certainly, all the important characters, the characters that are just passing through, you can relax about. Um, but stuff which is in the background, and all of that information helps you. Um, you can develop a questionnaire, um, uh, and you can fill out all this information. And each of these little pieces of information uh, builds that character in your mind into something which is more of a, a living thing. Uh, so it's, and sometimes you need to to, you know. Ideally, that they start making their own decisions. You kind of know them, and you, and you you place them in this situation, and you kind of know that this character is going to do this thing. This character is going to do a different thing, um, and that that kind of getting to know your character is is when the character starts making those decisions because you've built up an image. Clothes are very important. How characters look, so. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what we do as as writers comes from real life. So we make judgments on people when we meet them, um, whether you know, kind of we're conscious of it or not. But first time we meet somebody, um, you know, kind of we we generally say, "Oh, I'm not so sure about this person," or "This seems like a nice person. I'm happy um, to have met them." Um, and and it's the same with characters. So it's kind of it's like observing the people around you and thinking. You know, kind of why do I like this character? What is interesting about this person? And you know, kind of the more you observe people in real life, the more uh, information you have when it comes to building a character. And so, you know, kind of how what their posture is can tell you something about it, but it's also telling the reader something about it. Um, so it's kind of it's. Uh, uh, I I think the more information you have about the character the more questions you ask the character like you know what do you think about i don't know crime fiction um <laughs> uh, but you know it's a really small little little detail but again it's just building a picture and it's always a good a good thing with particularly with central characters to have 
an element, you know, that they need to be an ordinary person, but there also needs to be something extraordinary about them. Um, so that, you know, kind of, they are somebody who you could be uh, sitting beside in Starbucks or whatever, um, and you wouldn't see anything unusual about them. But when we put them under pressure and, and putting, you know, writing crime novels or any novel is, is often a putting about that central character under a lot of pressure, how are they going to react? What are they going to reveal about themselves? Hmm. And generally, it's something extraordinary. I like uh, how you were mentioning, you know, ordinary is sort of almost a bridge toward the character and extraordinary is something we can look up to within the character. I, I think sometimes I've read stories and it is about a normal character, um, but I kind of lose interest because maybe they're just too generic. And uh, so you'd mentioned something about creating interesting characters and desires. One One of the things I've done sometimes in my seminars is like, I'll say, okay, write a letter from your protagonist to yourself. And here's how it starts. You never really understood me. What I really want is. And then you have to write the next line. It's so interesting to see people write and all of a sudden say, I never knew that about my main character. I really never really understood that. Now other people are like, wait a minute, we're making this up anyway. So how is this person writing to me? And <laughs> that's a good question too. So I think uh, that's a great idea. Um, yeah. Because that really, you know, kind of, I think people people think writing is is easy and it mm. is mm. but you know kind of there there are things that you can do to make it easier mm. um and storytelling is more difficult mm. um, so I have a copy of the winter guest here and I know you also have the constant soldiers coming out soon um is, is there anything you want to tell us about either of these two novels as far as either the plot or what drew you to writing to writing that specific story? Uh, well, The Winter Guest is is set in the Irish War of Independence. Um, and uh, you know, I have family connections with the Irish War of Independence. Uh, my grandfather and great-grandfather and and quite a lot of, of that side of the family were involved in one way or another and mm. ended up in prisons and, mm. and being exiled and and uh, and having an interesting time of it. So it was something that I always wanted to write about. Um, but I also, uh, I went to school when I was younger in a kind of a castle uh, in Ireland, which... <laughs> Before the Civil War, uh, before the War of Independence, had belonged to uh, a family called Barrington's, mm. and uh, the Barrington's daughter happened to be in a police car with uh, with a police uh, inspector when it was ambushed by the IRA, and uh, and she was shot dead, oh. um, which. Uh, which led to that family leaving Ireland where they had lived for 400 years. Um, and it led to that castle uh, nearly being burned down on one occasion, mm. at least by rumor. And it led to that castle being taken over by uh, a religious order who then set out, up a school, which is where I was educated. But that story was always that you know, kind of very complicated story. 
And she was certainly, when she was killed, she was killed by people who, who they didn't want to kill her because mm. the family were very well respected uh, mm. and were, were very much in support of, of home rule for Ireland. And, and they were, they were not, you know, kind of, uh, they were, they, they, they weren't, you know, there were people who had given an awful lot to the community. They set up a hospital in Limerick and, hmm. and it was, she was a casualty of war, but at the same time, these were very difficult times. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was, it was a story that has been kicking around in, in my mind for a very long time. And a lot of these old Irish country houses, you know, they have ghosts, um, both, uh, both real and, you know, kind of more, uh, historical. So they, they were owned by very different people, people who aren't there anymore. Um, sometimes I go and I'm going in a few weeks, uh, to a writer's retreat in County Monaghan called the Tyrone Guthrie Center. Mm. And every time I go there, um, that I, there, that place is riddled ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or it's just, you know, there are so many writers and creative people wandering around the place that they're creating some odd energy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's also, it's the ghosts, you know, the, the people who built these houses aren't, aren't there anymore. So you're kind of left with them behind. So there were lots of things I wanted to explore in the story. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to find uh, a real character called Emmett Dalton, who uh, had served in the British Army in the First World War, and then became, uh, he worked on, on the IRA's intelligence side, so he was basically a spy for the IRA. Uh, and I thought he was a very interesting character to build a novel around. Uh, but I kind of, I changed names and I fictionalized everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, kind of if if you know that period, you can you can spot who some of the characters in the book are. Hmm. Um, they're based very loosely on on real people, uh, and the house in, in the novel is based on a real house. Um, so it's it's kind of uh, it's interesting, and basically, you know, it starts with an ambush, very similar to uh, the Barrington ambush, where. Uh, somebody who is sympathetic to Irish nationalism um, uh, is killed in ambush. She's in the wrong place at the wrong time. The question is, who killed her? Hmm. Uh, and in this case, the IRA uh, say, it wasn't us. We knew who she was. We respected her. We left her. When we left her, she was unconscious, but she was alive. And she had no, she'd had a bump on the head. That was it. Hmm. Um, so so that uh, that felt like a really good beginning to the story and and you know kind of then you've got you know lots of other things happening <laughs> more murders yeah you know, kind of top tip for anybody writing a crime novel you know when in doubt kill somebody um, <laughs> so uh, um and then the constant soldier is is a very different novel um but it's based on these photographs which uh were uh discovered quite recently and given to the United States uh, Holocaust Memorial Museum. They're mm -hmm. called the Hawker photographs and they were 
put together by the adjutant uh, to the commandant of Auschwitz. Mm. And uh, for me, these photographs were really fascinating because Hmm. They're kind of these are very, very evil people, very, very brutal people. Uh, but they it looks like they're a bunch of corporate guys on uh on a kind of a golf weekend, except that they're wearing Nazi uniforms. Hmm. Um so that for me was really fascinating. And uh, and then these photographs were taken 1944 to 1945. And the last photographs in the album are taken uh, in January 1945, a few days before hmm. the Russians launch the big offensive that crosses um, the River Vistula and, and goes pretty much all the way to Berlin. So where, and you can almost tell from the photographs that these people know what is coming and they know that the war is over and they know that they've done these terrible things. And, you know, kind of what happened with Nazi Germany was that that morality got turned upside down so that evil was good and good was evil. Mm. And now morality was going to be turned the other way. And it's that for me is kind of what the novel is all about is how these ordinary people got, went down the wrong path, those little decisions that they made. You know, you start off, you make one decision, and then, it, you know, kind of that leads to another decision, and and you know, it's it's trying to break that path and say, oh no, I've 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 got to stop now. Um, and when you're in a totalitarian regime, that's that's very difficult to do. So for me, uh, this was um, a really interesting and very difficult book to write. Um, but uh, I think it's. You know, I really love The Winter Guest, but I think The Constant Soldier is my favorite novel, the, the novel that I think is by far my best. That's fantastic. It sounds intriguing. Also, just a powerful story with some of the connections that you said as far as the morality and as far as like uh, the people in some of these photographs. So, William, thank you so much for the time, uh, taking the time to share with me today a little bit about your approach to writing and about some of your books. I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a great pleasure. Is there a place online you'd like to direct people? I know your books are available wherever books are sold, um, like a social media or a website or anything like that for you and maybe your... Uh, I do have a, a website, which is called williamryan.com. Um, and if you're interested, particularly in the Russian novels, there are a lot of the photographs um, that... Uh, that I use for research because when oh. you're writing historical novels, research is is always kind of uh, for me it's it's difficult, but photographs are always the basis. Definitely check that out. So William Ryan uh, dot com, and also thank you to our listeners. Be sure to check out the Winter Guest. It's available now, and also you can pre-order the Constant Soldier, which will arrive and bookstores in November. Thanks again for listening. For more information about our guests and to check out our other interviews, you can search for us wherever you listen to your podcasts 
or you can click to thestoryblender.com for details about our guests and information about their books, their stories, and their approaches to storytelling. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to receive our weekly podcasts on Fridays. Tell your stories well, my friends, and always remember, the art of the story is all in the blend. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.